After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalif al-Masih V, Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin Asil Aziz stated, In the previous Friday sermon, I mentioned that the accounts in relation to the apostates or the hypocrites during the Battle of Yamama and with regards to Maselma Kazab and his associates had come to an end. There are some accounts remaining about the apostates who raised arms during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq As I said, a number of expeditions took place. The first expedition has already been mentioned in great detail. Out of the remaining 10 expeditions, the following is stated with regards to the second and third expedition. These expeditions were led by Hazrat Hudhaifa and Hazrat Arfaja against the rebellious apostates of Oman. Oman is a city in Yemen situated close to Bahrain. It is situated between the Persian Gulf and the Arabian Sea. At the time, it also comprised of the eastern regions of the present-day United Arab Emirates. Oman was home to the idolatrous tribes of Azd as well as other Zoroastrian tribes. Muscat, Suhar and Diba were cities located on the coast. During the blessed era of the Holy Prophet Oman was part of the Persian government and an individual by the name of Jafar was appointed as its governor. Zoroastrianism had spread across this region for the purpose of propagating the message of Islam, in 8 Hijri, the Holy Prophet sent a letter with Hazrat Abu Zayd Ansari and Hazrat Amr bin Alas to two brothers, Jafar bin Julanda and Abad bin Julande, who were chieftains of that area. The content of the letter sent by the Holy Prophet was as follows. In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Merciful. 
This letter is from Muhammad, servant of Allah and his messenger, addressed to Jafar and Abbad, the sons of Julande. Peace be upon those who have followed the guidance. I invite you to accept Islam. You should embrace Islam and as a result, you will remain safeguarded. I am the Messenger of Allah and have been sent to the entire world so that I may warn all those who are living and convey the arguments to the disbelievers. If you accept Islam, then in accordance to the established practice, I shall allow you to remain as leaders. However, if you refuse to accept Islam, then your authority shall be seized. According to some narrations, the two brothers accepted Islam after days of debating the matter. According to another narration, the ruler of Oman, Jafar, stated, I find no reason to reject Islam. However, I do fear that if I collect the zakat here and send it to Medina, my people will turn against me. Upon this, Hazrat Amr bin Alas suggested to him that the zakat collected from the people of that area would be spent on the poor members of that very region. And so he accepted Islam. Hazrat Amr stayed there for two years and continued to convey the message of Islam to the people. Owing to his successful preaching endeavors, most people in that region accepted Islam. When the Holy Prophet passed away and when apostasy and rebellion had spread across the whole of Arabia, Hazrat Abu Bakr asked Hazrat Amr bin Alas to come to Medina from Oman. Following the demise of the Holy Prophet, Lakit bin Malik Azdi rose up. His appellation was Dhuttaj, i.e. the possessor of the crown. And during the era of ignorance, he was given the same status as Julanda, the governor of Oman. Julanda was the title given to the kings of Oman. In any case, he had claimed prophethood and the ignorant people of Oman followed him. He gained power over Oman and so Jafar and his brother Abad had to take refuge in the mountains. Jafar informed Hazrat Abu Bakr about all these events and sought help. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent two commanders. One was Hudhaifa bin Mihsan Ghalfani Himyari who was sent to Oman and the other was Arfaja bin Harsama Bariki Yazdi who was sent towards Mahra. Both were sent with the instructions to travel together and to start the battle from Oman. Mahra was the name of a Yemeni tribe. He instructed that when the battle begins in Oman, Hudhaifa will be the leader. And when the battle is in Mahra, he will fulfill the duties of commander-in-chief. An introduction to Hazrat Hudhaifa and Hazrat Arfaja is that according to Tariq Tabari, Hazrat Hudhaifa's name was Hudhaifa bin Mihsan Ghulfani, whereas according to a book on the life of the companions, his name was Hudhaifa Kalani. He remained the governor of Oman until the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr. According to a book on the lives of the companions, Hazrat Arfaja's full name was Arfaja bin Hudhayma. According to Allama ibn Athir, his father's name was Harsama. 
who was renowned for his war strategies against his enemies. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent Hazrat Ikrama bin Abi Jahl to assist both of them. Previously, during the accounts relating to the Battle of Yamama with reference to Muselma Kadhab, it was mentioned that when Hazrat Abu Bakr sent Hazrat Ikrama to combat the wave of apostasy and rebellion and sent Shurahbil bin Hasana for his support, he instructed Ikrama that he should not attack prior to the arrival of Shurahbil. However, he did not wait for him and launched an attack as a result of which he suffered defeat. Due to this, Hazrat Abu Bakr became upset with him and instructed him to go to Oman. According to Hazrat Abu Bakr's instruction, Ikrima set out for Oman to help Al-Fajr and Hudayfa. Before the two reached Oman, Ikrima met them at a place called Rijam. And they sent a message to Jafar and his brother Abad. According to some books of history, such as Al Kamil by Ibn Athir, his name is recorded as Ayaz. Rajam is a vast mountain range in Oman. In any case, after receiving this message from the leaders of the Muslim army, Jafar and Abad came out from their residence in which they were hiding after the apostate had claimed prophethood and had formed an army which grew in strength. In any case, they came out from where they were staying and they set up camp in Sohar. They sent a message to Hudayfa, Al-Fajr and Ikrama that they should all come and join them. Sohar is also a village in a mountainous area of Amman. It is recorded that there would be a market there for the first five nights of Rajab. Hence, the Muslim army gathered in Sohar and eliminated the apostates from nearby areas. When Lakit bin Malik learned of the Islamic army's arrival, he set out with his army in order to confront them and encamped at a place called Dibar. He placed women, children and their provisions at the rear so as to strengthen them in the war. Dibar was a city in that area and was a centre for trading. The Muslim leaders sent letters to the chieftains accompanying Lakit, beginning with the chief of the Banu Juzaid tribe. Those chieftains also wrote letters replying to the Muslim leaders. The result of this correspondence was that all of those chieftains left Lakit and joined the Muslims. In Deba, a vicious battle took place. Initially, Lakit had the upper hand and it was nigh that the Muslims suffered defeat. However, Allah the Almighty bestowed His favour and benevolence and sent down His assistance in that delicate hour. Various tribes of Bahrain and a large battalion from Banu Abd al-Qais arrived as reinforcements, which greatly strengthened them. They launched a strong attack against Lakit's army, as a result of which they lost their footing 
and ran away. The Muslims chased after them and killed 10,000 of their warriors and imprisoned the women and children. They seized control of the wealth and the market, of which they sent one-fifth to Hazrat Abu Bakr through Arfajah. Hence, in this way, the disorder in Oman was eradicated and the Muslim rule was established upon firm foundations. After the battle, Huzaifa took up residence in Oman and became engaged in improving the conditions there and establishing peace and security. As mentioned previously, Al-Fajr went to Medina with the spoils and Hazrat Ikrama went with his army to Mahra in order to eliminate the rebellion there. It is recorded with regards to Hazrat Ikrama's expeditions against the apostates and the rebels that Hazrat Abu Bakr granted one of the flags to Hazrat Ikrama and instructed him to confront Muselma. In order to combat Muselma, Hazrat Abu Bakr sent Hazrat Ikrama to Yamama and then sent Hazrat Shurahbil bin Hasana in support. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent both of them to Yamama. However, he had told Ikrama not to attack until Shurahbil reached there. However, Ikrama acted in haste, as has been mentioned before, and advanced with an attack before the arrival of Shurahbil. As a result of which, Muselma pushed them back and defeated them. When Hazrat Shurahbil bin Hasna learned about what happened, he remained where he was. Hazrat Abu Bakr wrote to Shurahbil saying that he should remain close to Yamama until he received further instructions from him. Hazrat Abu Bakr wrote to Ikrama that he would not even look at him, as has been mentioned before, and that he would not listen to anything he had to say until he achieved some great feat and did something extraordinary. Only then he should return to him. He then said that he should go to Oman and help Hudayfa and Arfaja in combating the people of Oman. In any case, as it has already been mentioned, Oman was part of the Persian Gulf which also included the eastern areas of the United Arab Emirates of today. The idolatrous tribe Uzd resided there along with others who were Zoroastrians. Muscat, Sohar and Deba were coastal cities there. Hazrat Abu Bakr also said that each one of them were to command over the cavalry. However, when they were in the areas led by Hudayfa, he would be the overall commander, and that when they had completed their mission, they should proceed to Mahra, and then from there they should go to Yemen. They should remain with Muhajir bin Abi Umayyah while tending to the matters of Yemen and Hadramaut, and that they should punish those who had become apostates between Oman and Yemen. He said that he hoped to receive news of their achievements in battle. This is what was said by Hazrat Abu Bakr. 
In any case, before Ikrama set out, Hudayfa bin Mihsan Ghalfani went to Oman and Al-Fajr Bariki went to Mahra to fight the apostates according to the instructions of Hazrat Abu Bakr And Ikrama set out after with his army to assist Al-Fajr and Hudayfa. Ikrama met them both before they reached Oman. Prior to this, Hazrat Abu Bakr clearly instructed them that after completing their task in Oman, they should act according to the opinion of Ikrama, whether he asked them to accompany him or ordered them to stay in Oman. Nonetheless, as it has already been mentioned, when these three commanders converged at Rijam, a place in the near vicinity of Oman, they sent their messengers to Jafar and Nabad. At the same time, when Lakit heard of their army approaching, he gathered his forces and went to Deba to set up his encampment. Jafar and Nabad also set forth from their settlements and set up their encampments in Sahar. They also sent for Hudayfa, Al-Fajr and Ikrama to all come to their location. Therefore, as it has been mentioned, they all came to the two of them and collected in Suhar. Thereafter, they purged their regions of apostates until there was peace with all the people in the surrounding areas. Furthermore, the three commanders also wrote letters to the chieftain associates of Lakit. They took the initiative to reach out to the chief of Banu Juzaid, and in response, the chieftains wrote letters to the Muslims. As it was mentioned, this resulted in the chieftains parting ways from Lakit. Following this, the army of Lakit fought in an intensive battle against the Muslims, the details of which have already been mentioned. After this expedition, Ikrama and Hudayfa unanimously decided amongst each other that Hudayfa would stay back in Oman to reconcile matters and grant assurance of peace to the people. While Hazrat Ikrama would advance with the main Muslim forces against the other idolaters to, in order to crush them, he started his advance for the battle from Mahara. In respect to Hazrat Ikrama advancing against the tribe of Mahara, it is recorded after suppressing the apostates in Oman, Ikrama and his army set forth to another region in Najd, namely toward the tribe of Mahara. It is further recorded he requested help from the people of Oman and those in the surrounding area to partake in this expedition. They continued to advance forward until they reached the area where the Mahara tribe resided. They were accompanied by people from different tribes, as Hazrat Ikrama mounted an attack against Mahara and its surrounding settlements. In defense against them, the people of Mahara split into two groups. One group had fortified Jairut under the leadership of a man named Shakrit, while the other group was under the leadership of Musabba, a man from Banu Maharib tribe of Najd. In fact, all of the armies of Mahara were under his command, except the contingent that was under the leadership of Shakrit. 
Both of these chieftains were at odds with one another, and each of them tried to convince the other to join their side. All the warriors within their armies only desired for their own leader to be successful. This was the factor through which Allah the Almighty granted help to the Muslims and strengthened them against their enemy, rendering them weak. When Ikrama observed that Shakrit was accompanied by a small number of people, he invited him to return to Islam. He was a Muslim prior to this and said, accept Islam once again and seize your battle against the Muslims. It so happened that upon this invitation, Shakrit accepted Islam and in this way, Allah the Almighty weakened Musabba. Following this, Ikrama sent a messenger to Musabba to invite him back to Islam and to shun disbelief. However, he was deceived by the large number of people he had in his ranks. Owing to Shakrit's acceptance of Islam, the disagreement between him and Musabba increased even more. Nonetheless, both Ikrama and Shakrit mounted an attack against Musabba in Najd, and a battle ensued that was far more severe than the battle fought in Dibar. Allah made the forces of the rebellious apostates accept defeat and the leader was killed. The Muslims pursued those who fled and killed many of them, while a great many were taken as prisoners of war. The Muslims also took 2,000 camels of an excellent breed as spoils from the battle. Hazrat Ikrama divided the spoils of war into five parts and sent the Khums with Shakrit for Hazrat Abu Bakr. The remaining four parts were distributed amongst the Muslims. In this way, Ikrama and his army were further strengthened by the acquisition of mounts, wealth, provisions and supplies. Hazrat Ikrama stayed in that area and gathered all the people, all of whom accepted Islam. Hazrat Ikrama sent news of this victory to Hazrat Abu Bakr with a messenger named Saib. Then there is mention of Hazrat Ikrama's advancements in Yemen. In his letter to Hazrat Ikrama, which has already been mentioned, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed him to go towards Yemen after conquering Mahra to accompany Hazrat Muhajir bin Abi Umayyah in dealing with the matters of Hadramaut and to suppress those who rebelled in apostasy between Oman and Yemen. Therefore, in fulfillment of this instruction from Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Ikrama set forth from Mahra towards Yemen until he reached Abyan. Abyan is also a village in Yemen. He was accompanied by a very large army comprising of people from the tribe of Mahra and many other tribes. Much of Hazrat Ikrama's stay was spent in southern Yemen, where he remained occupied suppressing uprisings in the tribes of Nakha and Himyar, after which there was no longer a need to go towards northern Yemen. After capturing the runaways of the Nakha tribe, Hazrat Ikrama gathered the people and asked them, What is your opinion of Islam? They replied, In the age of ignorance, we were religious people who were attached to our faith. We did not fight against other Arab tribes. 
what will become of us when we accept the religion whose superiority is well known to us and whose love has already entered our hearts. In other words, love for Islam has taken root in our hearts. When Hazrat Ikrama investigated whether what they were saying is from the heart or whether they were just trying to save themselves, he found out that they were telling the truth. The general population remained firm on Islam, albeit a few members among the elite turned to apostasy and fled. In this manner, Hazrat Ikrama absolved the tribes of Nakha and Himyar of the allegations of apostasy and stayed there so they can reorganize themselves. Hazrat Ikrama's stay in Abyan had a great impact on the little remaining followers of Aswad Ansi, who were led by Qais bin Makshur and Amr bin Ma'adi Karib. After fleeing from Sana'a, Qais continued to make rounds of Sana'a, while Amr bin Ma'adi Karib had joined the party of Aswad Ansi in Lahaj. However, when Hazrat Ikrama arrived in Abyan, both Qais and Amr bin Ma'adi Karib joined forces to fight against him. Their alliance, however, was short-lived, as they quickly became conflicted and separated. In this way, Hazrat Ikrama's approach from the east played a key role in bringing an end to apostate groups in Lahaj. Adjacent to Yemen was the tribe of Kinda, located in the region of Hadramaut. The governor of this area was Hazrat Ziyad bin Labid. He was strict in matters of zakat, as a result of which the people rebelled against him. Thus, Hazrat Ikrama and Hazrat Muhajir bin Abi Umayyah both came to his aid. The details of this will be mentioned alongside the details of Hazrat Muhajir bin Abi Umayyah. Nonetheless, when Hazrat Ikrama made preparations for his return to Medina, following his efforts against the apostates, he had along with him the daughter of Norman bin John, whom he married during one of the battles. Even though Hazrat Ikrama was aware of the fact that Hazrat Abu Bakr was extremely displeased with Hazrat Khalid for marrying Umm Tamim and the daughter of Muja'a, this has been mentioned in detail in the previous sermon. But despite this, Hazrat Ikrama married her. As a result of this, many members of Hazrat Ikrama's army distanced themselves from him. The matter was then presented before Hazrat Muhajir. However, he too was unable to give a verdict and thus wrote to Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and informed him of the entire situation and sought his decision on the matter. Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq wrote back and stated, Ikrama has not done anything wrong by marrying her. This reassured all those people who were displeased over this marriage. It has also been mentioned that the reason why some of the people were displeased with Hazrat Ikrama was because Noman bin John presented himself before the Holy Prophet and requested him to accept his daughter's hand in marriage. However, 
the Holy Prophet declined the proposal and sent her back with her father. Since the Holy Prophet had already once refused to marry this woman, therefore a section of Hazrat Ikrimah's army believed that based on the noble example of the Holy Prophet, Hazrat Ikrimah also should not have married her. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq did not accept this argument and said that this was a completely wrong view to hold and considered Hazrat Ikrimah's marriage to be lawful. Hazrat Ikrimah, along with his wife, returned to Medina and this particular section of the army which had become displeased with him and separated themselves from him rejoined him. The woman was Asma bin Naman bin Joan. A brief introduction is as follows. There are various narrations recorded in Bukhari and, and other books of a hadith with regards to the woman who Hazrat Ikramah married. Her nikah was announced with the Holy Prophet However, before the marriage was solemnized, she committed an act as a result of which the Holy Prophet sent her back to her tribe. There are many varying opinions in relation to her name as well as the incidents in connection with her. Some have reported that her marriage took place with Hazrat Muhajir bin Umayyah bin Abi Umayyah. In any case, whilst mentioning the details of this incident, Hazrat Muslim anhu has stated, When Arabia was conquered and Islam began to spread, there was a lady from the tribe of Kinda, whose name was Asma or Umayma, who was also called Jonia or Bintul Jon. Her brother Luqman came to the Holy Prophet as a representative of his tribe. On that occasion, he also expressed his desire for his sister's hand to be given in marriage to the Holy Prophet. He made the request directly to the Holy Prophet, saying, My sister, who was previously married to a relative, is now widowed. She is very beautiful and intelligent. Please accept her proposal of marriage. As the Holy Prophet desired to unite the tribes of Arabia, he accepted this request of his and said that the nikah should be announced on the basis of 12 and a half ounces of silver. He said, O Messenger of Allah, we are counted amongst the honorable families. The amount set for this dowry is very little. The Holy Prophet replied, I have not set a higher dowry for any of my wives nor any of my daughters. Once he expressed his satisfaction, the nikah was announced. Furthermore, he requested the Holy Prophet to send a person in order to bring his wife. The Holy Prophet appointed Abu Usaid for this task. He went there. Jonia invited him to her home, upon which Hazrat Usaid said that the wives of the Holy Prophet had been instructed to observe the veil. Upon this, she inquired about further guidance, which he imparted to her. He then brought her to Medina on a camel and settled her in a house which was surrounded by date palms. The relatives of this lady sent her wet nurse along with her. As a Muslim old writes, In our countries, affluent people send female maids along with them so that she does not experience any kind of discomfort. As this lady was known for her beauty, 
And as is customary that the women wished to meet a new bride in the area, the women of Medina also went to see her. And according to her own testimony, another lady had taught her to impose her authority from the very first day. She was told that when the Holy Prophet approaches, she should say, I seek Allah's protection from you. In this manner, he will become more fond of you. If this was not a fabrication of this lady, as a Muslim says, it is very possible that a hypocrite schemed this mischief through his wife or another relative. Nevertheless, when the Holy Prophet received the news of her arrival, he went to the house which was designated for her. In the Ahadith, it is written, and the translation of it is, that when the Holy Prophet approached her, he said to her, Present yourself to me through this marriage. Upon this she replied, Does a queen offer herself to an ordinary man? God forbid she considered herself to be of a higher status. Abu Usaid says that as the Holy Prophet thought that she was nervous due to not being familiar with him, he placed his hand on her in order to comfort her. As soon as he placed his hand on her, she uttered these utmost abhorrent and inappropriate words that I seek Allah's protection from you. As the Prophet becomes humbled when he hears the name of God the Exalted and is awestruck by his magnificence, the Holy Prophet immediately said upon hearing her words, You have sought refuge and protection of the highest being who grants protection in great abundance. Therefore, I accept your request. Hence, the Holy Prophet immediately came out of the house and said, O Abu Sayyid, give her two pieces of cloth and send her to her family. Hence, following that, apart from her dowry, the Holy Prophet instructed to give her two sheets as a gesture of kindness. These were two long sheets of white cloth of a really good quality given to her. This was done in order to fulfill the commandment of the Holy Quran, وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ This is in relation to women who are divorced without having consummated the marriage. The Holy Prophet sent her away and Abu Sayyid brought her to her home. This matter was very burdensome for the people of her tribe and they scolded her. However, she continued to reply that it was her ill fortune. At times she even said that she was deceived and told that when the Holy Prophet approached her, she should step aside and express a sense of dislike. In this manner, she would impose her rank on him. Whether this was the reason or something else, she expressed a sense of dislike and the Holy Prophet separated himself from her and sent her away. I have mentioned this once before as well in relation to a companion, Hazrat Usaid. In any case, Hazrat Ikrama returned to Medina from Kinda and Hadramaut along the routes of Makkah and Yemen. When he arrived in Medina, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed him to go and help Khalid bin Said. Hazrat Ikrama had sent his army on leave which had previously fought against the apostates. 
and that Abu Bakr prepared another army for him in its place. The reason why they were given leave was because he felt that they had become tired from having taken part in such a major expedition. In any case, Hazrat Abu Bakr prepared another army and instructed them to assemble under the flag of Ikrimah and depart for Syria. The details of Hazrat Ikrimah's extraordinary achievements in Syria and him fighting with such great bravery and embracing martyrdom will God willing be mentioned in relation to the expeditions that took place in Syria. The fifth expedition was led by Hazrat Shirahbil bin Hassana against the rebellious apostates. Hazrat Abu Bakr sent Hazrat Ikrama towards Muselma and Yamama, and also sent Hazrat Shirahbil towards Yamama as well. A brief introduction of Hazrat Shirahbil bin Hassana is that his father's name was Abdullah bin Mata, and his mother's name was Hassana. Some people refer to him as Kindi and also as Tamimi. Shurahbil's father passed away during his childhood and he was known by his mother's name, hence his name was Shurahbil bin Hassana. Hazrat Shurahbil was among the early converts to Islam. He, along with his brothers, migrated towards Abyssinia and upon returning from Abyssinia, he stayed in the houses belonging to the Banu Zuraik. During the era of Khilaf de Rashta, he was among the well-known commanders of the army. He passed away in 18 Hijri at the age of 67 during the outbreak of the Amwas plague. Nonetheless, as has been mentioned previously, despite Hazrat Abu Bakr's instructions not to attack until the arrival of Hazrat Shirahbil, Ikrama acted in haste and launched an attack against Muselma so that the recognition of this victory would be attributed to him. However, Muselma's forces repelled his attack. When Hazrat Ikrama informed Hazrat Abu Bakr of this setback, then as mentioned previously, Hazrat Abu Bakr sent him a letter admonishing him that he should not return to Medina with this blemish of defeat, as it would bring down the morale of the people and dampen the spirits of everyone. Hazrat Abu Bakr ordered him to go towards Oman, Hazrat Shirahbil bin Hassana was still en route when he learned of Hazrat Ikrama's defeat. He stopped his advance and sent a message to Hazrat Abu Bakr asking him for new instructions. Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed him to remain where he was. He wrote to him saying, Remain stationed close to your mama until you receive my second command. At present, do not confront the one you have been sent to attack, i.e. Muselma. Then when Hazrat Abu Bakr assigned Hazrat Khalid bin Walid anhu to head towards Yamama, he also ordered Hazrat Shirahbil bin Hassana to wait for Hazrat Khalid bin Walid to join him. Then when they successfully finished their campaign in Yamama, they ought to head towards the Kuzaa tribe. And along with Hazrat Amr bin Alas, they should deal with the rebels among the Kuzaa tribe, who not only turned away from Islam but actively opposed it. They not only turned away from Islam but also opposed it. Kuzaa was a famous Arab tribe which lived at a distance of 10 manzil from Medina to the west of Madain Saleh, further on from Wadi al Qura. Nonetheless, 
in accordance with Hazrat Abu Bakr's instructions. Hazrat Shirahbil remained in his position along with his army. However, Musalma attacked him with his army. Whilst mentioning this, an author writes, Hazrat Khalid was still making his way towards Yamama when Musalma's army launched an attack on Hazrat Shirahbil's army and pushed them back. Some historians have written that Hazrat Shirahbil made the same mistake as his predecessor Hazrat Ikrama did, i.e. that he attacked Musalma's army with the hope of claiming victory to his name. But he too was defeated and had to retreat. However, this does not seem to be correct. In fact, fearing the harmful effects of Hazrat Khalid joining forces with Hazrat Shirahbil, the army of Musalma marched ahead and defeated Hazrat Shirahbil's army. In turn, they succeeded in pushing them back. Either of the two scenarios are plausible, but the fact remains that Hazrat Shirahbil retreated with his army. When he reached Hazrat Khalid bin Walid and he was informed about all the events, Hazrat Khalid rebuked Hazrat Shirahbil. Hazrat Khalid was of the opinion that if the army does not have the strength to face an enemy, then they should refrain from engaging in battle until the required reinforcements arrive, as opposed to engaging with the enemy with an understrength army and having to face defeat. Nonetheless, Hazrat Shirahbil then joined forces with Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid appointed Hazrat Shirahbil as the commander of the vanguard, i.e. the front part of the army, and appointed Hazrat Zaid bin Khattab and Abu Huzaifa bin Utbah bin Rabia as commanders of the right and left flank respectively. In accordance with the instructions of Hazrat Abu Bakr, after finishing from the campaign in Yamama, Hazrat Shirahbil went to deal with the rebels of the Banu Quza'a tribe and joined Hazrat Amr bin Alas It is written that Hazrat Shirahbil and Hazrat Amr bin Alas attacked the rebels of Banu Quza'a. Hazrat Amr bin Alas attacked the Saad and Balkh tribes and Hazrat Shirahbil attacked the Kalb tribe and those tribes under their authority. The sixth expedition was the expedition in which Hazrat Amr bin Alas was sent to confront the rebels. Hazrat Abu Bakr handed a banner for Hazrat Amr bin Alas and ordered him to deal with three tribes, Quda'a, Badia, and Harith. Quza'a was a famous Arab tribe which lived at a distance of 10 manzils from Medina to the west of Madain Saleh, further on from Wadi al-Qura. A brief introduction to Hazrat Amr bin Alas is as follows. His name was Amr and his appellation was Abdullah bin Abdullah or according to some it was Abu Muhammad. His father's name was As bin Wail and his mother's name was Nabuka bin Harmala. According to one narration, his mother's real name was Salma and Nabuka was her title. Hazrat Amr bin Alas accepted Islam in 8 Hijri, six months prior to the conquest of Makkah. The Holy Prophet appointed him as the governor of Oman. 
and he remained in this post until the demise of the Holy Prophet After this, he joined the conquest of the Levant. During the era of Hazrat Umar, he served as the governor of Palestine. Among his notable achievements is the conquest of Egypt. After conquering Egypt, Hazrat Umar appointed him as the governor of Egypt. During the Khilafat of Hazrat Uthman, anhu, he was removed from governorship, after which he moved to Palestine and lived in seclusion. Amir Muawiyah reappointed him as the governor of Egypt, and he remained in this position until his demise. It is said that he passed away in 43 Hijri, whereas according to some, he passed away in 47 Hijri. Some state his demise as 48 Hijri, and others say 51 Hijri. The narration in which it states that he passed away in 43 Hijri is commonly accepted to be correct. Hazrat Amr bin Alas was an eloquent and articulate orator. He was intelligent, expressive, distinguished in politics and a commander-in-chief of the army. The Holy Prophet trusted him in military expeditions. The Holy Prophet declared that the family of Amr bin Alas, his son Abdullah and Umm Abdullah is among the best households. An author writes, Out of the eleven banners that Hazrat Abu Bakr ordered to be prepared, one of them was for Amr bin Alas. Hazrat Abu Bakr assigned him the task of fighting against the rebels of the Quza'a tribe, because even during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, he had already fought against the Quza'a tribe in the Battle of Dhatus Salasil. He was aware of the conditions of the tribe as well as all the routes around them. In Dhulhijjah 8 Hijri, the Holy Prophet sent Hazrat Amr bin Alas for the purpose of Tabligh along with a letter to Jafar and Abad bin Jalandi, who were two chiefs in Oman. This deputation proved to be very successful and the people of Oman accepted Islam through Hazrat Amr bin Alas. Expressing his delight owing to his success, the Holy Prophet appointed Hazrat Amr bin Alas the task of collecting zakat from Oman. He was in Oman when he received a letter from Hazrat Abu Bakr عنه, informing him of the demise of the Holy Prophet After the demise of the Holy Prophet, majority of the Arab tribes became apostates. In order to suppress this rebellion, Hazrat Abu Bakr called Hazrat Amr bin Alas from Oman and according to these instructions, Hazrat Amr returned from Medina to Oman. In order to crush the wave of apostasy and rebellion, Hazrat Abu Bakr appointed 11 commanders. It was at this point that Hazrat Abu Bakr ordered Hazrat Shurahbil bin Hassana that when he successfully completes the expedition in Yamama, he ought to head towards the Quza'a tribe and alongside Hazrat Amr bin Alas, he ought to defeat those rebels who had left Islam and were actively planning against it. Hence, both Hazrat Shurahbil and Hazrat Amr bin Alas launched an attack on the rebels of the Banu Quza'a and began their campaign against them. Details regarding this are mentioned by one author as follows. The Banu Quza'a did not enter Islam joyfully. Rather, just like some other tribes, they accepted Islam either out of fear or in hope of attaining wealth and prestige, whereas their hearts were devoid of the love of Islam. 
Therefore, after the demise of the Holy Prophet the minute they sensed a weakness among the Muslims, they refused to pay the zakat. As soon as he received instructions from the Khalifa of the time, Amr bin al-As immediately left with his army for Juzam along the route he took previously. When he arrived there, he saw that the Banu Quza'a were fully prepared for war. A fierce battle ensued and just as they suffered defeat in the past, they faced defeat again. Hazrat Amr bin Allah succeeded in bringing them back into the fold of Islam and he brought the zakat that he had taken from them to Medina. God willing, the remaining expeditions will be mentioned in the future. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,